<laughs> and we saw the famous words. Fully funded. It's really curious. Cross right? of so death. This is a really funny line. The facility is expected to remove the need for dilutive equity financing and project slash corporate debt. How good, right? Yeah, they cracked the code, fellas, Matty and JD. They, there's a financial instrument that lets you enter production without debt or equity. It's just, it's magic. Righto, money miners. Ah, it's Friday. It's beer o'clock, Matty, but you and I cracked a beer a lot earlier than beer o'clock. Well, we had a couple of we had a couple of visitors today. We had a few visitors, but only one, the great man. Shane McClay from Entec that knows proper etiquette, don't fucking rock up to the office empty-handed. He brought us a carton of piss. <laughs> Drew Harvey, I expected a lot better from you, sunshine. But anyway, <laughs> word of warning, you want to come in for a yarn, you bring a carton. He so, came just after lunchtime and we've cracked a few since then. Yeah, God, not going to fucking drink themselves, are they, Trav? <laughs> JD, no, right. We need to get the uh, second beer fridge in, I reckon, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Double story. Uh, right, today, boys, we're getting into a bit of BHP and Rio. Some interesting, very interesting, this Simandu. Mate, we're going polar opposite ends of the spectrum. We've got a real sort of, you know, junior... To, to say it politely, on one end, and then you got BHB and Rio. We're gonna have a mm. chat about as well. BHB with the nickel, but the Rio Simandu, that sounds fucking interesting. Yeah, mate. And fucking huge. Mm. Let's get into it. Trav's got... going balls deep now. Trav, make sure you keep yourself hydrated because you've got an absolute filibuster to pump out later. It's I'm bloody very exciting. Excited. I'm really excited for this one. It's a company no one's heard of, but the story is very, very. Very juicy. I want to get a, a leash on you just to so you take a breath and uh, it's going to be bloody good. And filibuster, you've been oh. tuning into a bit of politics lately, Matty. Yeah, <laughs> it, was in, it was in a fucking school a thing we did in bloody history or something once. Yeah, right. I, remember I remember some good words. Right. Sponsors for today are great friends at Terra Capital, Bondi and Langers. Not sure if they invest in BHP or Rio, but more tailored to the, the TSX and the natural resources sector, their natural resource fund. The mate, I'm sure they'd have a go at BHP or Rio. Do you if they were they if they were present in Rio? Mate, if they were value, maybe they would be Maybe. But I reckon they'd they'd um look for opportunity outside the uh, the mainstream, mate. Like, mm, it's mm. very, very, you know you want alpha, you don't want to be the market. So you got to be a little bit contrarian sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they are, look, good natural resource specialists, uh, half their funds in the TSX and uh, great supporters of money of mine. And we absolutely love the blokes. You probably don't <laughs> love them as much as me because I'm pretty over the top, but you are very fond of them. No, I appreciate as it. As individuals in a fund. So I've got to have uh, Bondi scheduled in for a Bondi, everything about Bondi episode. You've narrowed down. The life and times. The life and times. They've also got our foundation OG sponsors, Seamus and Victoria Murphy from Anytime Exploration Services. Uh, mate, tell you Anytime, what. Anytime, anywhere, any. they. I'll just let you know they're getting a mention again on Monday, pertinent to a great episode we've got coming up with an overseas massive, massive, massive potential copper gold project. And trust me. It's worth the wait both for the episode and the sponsorship presentation. 
Both sure of those is. are entertainment value. Yeah. Oh, no. What's yeah. better, what's worse, they're that, both that, fucking The ads are just getting better and better, <laughs> hey? <laughs> the, the JD's getting involved. Since you revved him up at the start of the week, Trav, and like, Jesus, it's given me a bloody... I poked a bit. I, absolute I, I thought Matty's just so bloody good at it. Why would I step on his toes? <laughs> <laughs> right, boys, let's get into it. Uh, first up, we didn't mention at the top of the show, Gene Reinhart, as of this morning, has 16.69%. Ownership of Liontown. Owns more than Timmy. Mmm. Bit of a – no, you can't say that. Don't worry. <laughs> you, do you know what I was about to say? No. A, con, a type of contest. Okay. Not but sure. But doesn't work. So she bought 75 million bucks in a, in a crossing, I believe, Maddie, after – after trade, so no, so no, this was this was so it's a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah no, so the sixteen point six nine was this morning. But she's also another seventy five million was traded this afternoon. Yeah, so I put my left nut on it that it was her. So that would take her to seventeen point eight percent. So now I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Lion Town are giving away the future here or if Gina has unofficially joined the Lion Town board. But I'll play a video to demonstrate why uh, why I'm querying this. Let's have a look. So the latest announcement is titled "Change of Directors Interest Notice," but if you click it. It goes into the change of substantial holding <laughs> for Gina Reinhart. So, so obviously too many change of substantial forms going out for Lion Town this week. And exactly. Or maybe it's Friday and Lion Town are just burnt out and ready for a pub sesh. Yeah, I'm not sure. Bit of a Freudian slip. Yeah, no, a bit of a bloody, uh, bit of a howler, that one. So, yep. boys, now do you think Gina will get to 19.99% the takeover threshold and sit Yep. Or will she launch a counter bid? I suppose you would think if she launched a counter bid already on top of Albemarle, the, the share price would have lifted and she wouldn't be picking up the stock as cheap as she is now compared to that. What are your thoughts? Cheap is a relative I, word I, at I, three bucks a share. Cheaping relative cheapness. I bet yeah. a carton of dingo beer, Maddie, that she's um she'll stop at nineteen point nine. She'll, you know, bet that there's another five percent on the register there that um collectively can block a scheme of arrangement. Well, the and even with twenty percent based on the fact that a hundred percent of people won't vote, mm-hmm. I'd say it's um, you know, twenty five percent of the people that vote. Yeah, I'd in, second in that. Scheme. So I think I think twenty percent is well. She probably she's got well enough now. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I'll second trap and bet you a cut in this one. The better the better yeah, question. We keep making these bets, but we all fucking have the same yeah. agreed, so it doesn't work. So you're, you're not taking the other side. You think, you think the same? <laughs> nah, nah. I think she'll just sit there. Yeah. Yep. I got a question for you, Maddie. If you were a Lion Town shareholder, would you sell into Gina right now? Say you're holding shares, you've made a good buck on it, you've wrote it up. Mm. Are you sitting there thinking there's deal risk if I sort of wait it out, don't know what Gina's intentions are? Would you sell into Gina buying right now? I reckon if I even bought it two bucks and ninety, I'd sell right now. Just just because yeah, this in- deal could take ages, time value of money, like scenario at the moment. It's just the deal goes through at three bucks. You get three bucks. I'd rather take me three bucks now than in the future. There's obviously the deal risk that it might uh, fall over and Gina keeps picking up shares. That's two scenarios. The third is Gina puts in a bid. So I'd be more confident in those one of those two scenarios than the third. 
Yep. This is not financial advice and fucking do not follow trading advice from me based <laughs> on my history. <laughs> I should be at Cotter's Lane yeah, now if no. I just saved my money. I, what think you, good, I think it was a good summary of the risks, yeah. Like, yeah. JD told me that yeah. word for word last week. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I just repeated it, so thanks, bros. Full nah. comment. Uh, boys, BHP's comments on nickel. What's going on here? Yeah, so we spoke about nickel a bit earlier in the week. Um, the Money Miners would have heard, I think it was on Wednesday's episode, and BHB must have tuned in. They've um, decided to chime in with their thoughts, given that they have, you know, Mount Keith, they've got the uh, BHB Nickel West. So they've got their interests, and the context is really the... And Leinster. Yeah. yeah. So the the context, the context, rather, is the massive amount of Indonesian supply. We don't need to get into that anymore. And there's all this t- sort of talk of bifurcating bifurcating metal prices. So I've heard of that. And we're talking about a kind of green premium for a sulphide operation versus a laterite operation, which at the end of the day requires, you know, a lot more carbon being emitted to get to the final product. And a lot more disposal yeah. of um, tailings. Exactly. So mm. a, a couple negatives on that one. And BHB have pretty much come out and said that they are not yet getting a premium from the market. Obviously, they, they would like to get that. They... It's kind of the onus is on them to try and win over customers, but they're not seeing that yet and, you know, it remains to be seen. We've got a juicy, juicy episode in the works all around this topic and we hopefully can share that with the money miners quite soon. But it's just... And there's no, there's, there's, a, there's one man you'd go to for this episode and we've got that man. We sure have. He's so a money mine, money mine favourite. It's going to be it's going to be a ripper episode and there's so much that goes into it. Like we said earlier in the week... We'd spoken with Wailu a couple months back. They sort of saying it was being reflected in payabilities, but, you know, Andrew Forrest's old nemesis at BHB clearly sort of disagree. They're mm. one step further along. They have the the smelter, you know, that mm. Mincor were selling to and got their payabilities from, but they're not getting the ultimate premium price from the end customer yet. So, yeah. mm. Right, I want from uh, – oh, you continue. And, yeah, I mean, and I think the, the bigger thing that we're going to talk about next week is – is relating to, you know, should should metals attract a different price based on the way they're produced and their and their providence? And I think that's an interesting discussion. I did see a, a tweet out. Uh, I think it was Mondi, and and he he linked the AFR article reporting on this one. He goes, the best bit of the article is this quote: "The thermal coal mine that BHP plans to shut in New South Wales, Mount Arthur, delivered almost thirty three times more earnings over the past year." than BHP's WA nickel business. <laughs> yeah. It's, pretty- it's going to take a first mover yeah. for that to come to fruition. It's pretty jaw-dropping, but, uh, you know, the context of that is that nickel prices have come off 40% and thermal coal prices mm. were very elevated over that past period. BHP need a green premium for nickel west. Mm, I mean, <laughs> let's let's see what sort of how, how that kind of plays out there. They're obviously sticking to it. They're sticking to their guns. They're not um, taking on any laterite projects. Right, from Australia's biggest miner to Australia's second biggest miner, I'll, we'll have a quick discussion because usually they're pretty boring. Do you think if we delay the episode each day, and I want to hear the, what the money miners think to like a 3.30 recording, maybe a 5.30 upload, 6 o'clock upload, we can have a beer every day, Trav, <laughs> like because it would be more acceptable. That's pretty much when we record every day If the anyway. money miners <laughs> want to see us crack a tin each episode, uh, we'll just delay it by a couple of hours. Let us know. Let us know in the Hooteroo chat. Might be bad for our health, but I'm I'm, I'm here for no, it. I'm, well. I'm a seven night a week drinker, so <laughs> she's all good. Right, Rio Tinto, the Simandu project, probably haven't pronounced it, couldn't care either. Uh, fascinating history, JD. This thing is bloody huge. Take us into it. 
It is, mate. It is fascinating. So the this is an iron ore asset, a really high-grade iron ore asset in the sort of hilly, almost mountainous region in Guinea. So, As in the, the Africa Guinea, not the Africa. Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Yep. There's, a, there's a couple of African guineas, but the, the Guinea. Um, so they need a 600-kilometre roughly rail to get it from the mine to the port. It's not actually the quickest route, but the, uh, the Guinean government won't let it go through Liberia, which sort of sits in between the asset and the coast in a more quicker route. Liberia just reminds me of, uh, what is it, Lord, like, of, Lord of War, the movie. He was uh, working. The Blood Diamonds selling, movie? No, nah, the one where he's selling, yeah, he's selling all the guns to the like, the head of the Liberian yeah. government. So I don't know. Yeah. I'll chuck that on movie. the list, mate. <laughs> Mightn't have been true. <laughs> Mightn't have been. Good show, so, Nicholas Gage. So Samandu is broken into to various blocks, Maddie. You've got blocks one and two, which are 90% owned by SMB Winning. It's a consortium. They have Singaporean, Chinese, and Guinean uh, interests. And then you've got blocks three and four, which are 45% owned by Rio, 40% owned by Chinalco, and then 15% government interests. Who's, Ch- who's Chinalco? It's a Chinese aluminium oh. business. Oh, yeah, China Elco. That's yeah. right. Easy. So... Yeah, like you said, Maddie, at the beginning, fascinating history. There's bribery, there's dodgy dealings. Rio got the tenements in 97. They were given a mining uh, permit in 2002. Then they had blocks one and two taken off them. They were given to a uh, controversial, maybe infamous diamond dealer who went on to sell them a couple of years later to Vale for £1.6 billion. So when you say taken off, just not paid for? The, you know... Allegedly, and he was actually convicted of this, of paying money to the, um, you know, the sort of royal family government officials in the country and in return being given the assets. Wow. And, yeah, I mean, that $1.6 billion payment had over $300 million upfront cash payment from Vale, who then only a couple of years after that put it on the back burner. So there's a really interesting history. Won't get into all the details. But not too long ago, Fortescue even bid on some of these blocks that obviously hasn't uh, come to fruition. So Samandu is has a scale of 60 million tonnes per annum, and that can be scaled up to 110 million tonnes per annum. And for a bit of context... Gee, that's huge for iron ore. It, it is big for a particular asset. I mean, Rio did almost 80 million tonnes in w- one quarter of this year alone, yep. but they've got various assets in, in the Pilbara. So oh, well, I think the biggest mine, so BHP's south flank, I think that's one of their newest one. That has capacity of 80 million tonne. I think with combined with Area C, the hub produces 145. So, but I think the biggest biggest iron ore mine in the world is Vale's Serra Norte. Uh, that complex produces 113 million tonnes. So, if that gets 110 million tonne capacity, that would be the close to the biggest biggest iron ore mine in the world. Yeah, and yeah. super super high grade, 66 to 68 percent. You know, that's like some of the FMG stuff is 58, 57%. So. Yeah, I th- I've got a feeling the Pilbara blend, which Rio's product is, I think it's, oh, no, I better not say because I don't know. I think it's, it's like 63 or something. Yeah. So si- 66 60- to 68 is fucking high. 62 is the standard, like, commodity pricing index that you'll read. So 66, 68 is bloody high. Yeah. So – like I sort of touched on there, there's a long history with this asset, but it finally feels like it's actually close to being mined. So, you know, African iron ore seems to be a bit on the up. FMG have been backing their asset in Gabon. That's had a couple hiccups lately, but they've put a fair bit of money into that as well. Uh, it's. It, I think it's interesting in, in one sense 
to in in the sense of like, <clears throat> no, it's a period in time where uh, we talk about how important it is to to choose your partner in a, in a correct way. There's all these geopolitical influences, and there there are some big question marks around partnering with um, Chinese entities at the project level. Mm. And and here's sort of Rio kind of you know pulling the trigger and and advancing um, you know that in a in a in a pretty pretty straightforward way. So. You know, in in this kind of context, I find it a, cu- a curious decision. I'm not sure how it'll stack up in the fullness of time. I, I think one of the other pressures for Rio Tinto that isn't immediately obvious is I think their economic interest in some of their um their Pilbara iron ore assets sort of decreases towards you know FY26, FY27 from memory. I'd have to double check the exact stats, but that presents a bit of a you know a growth problem which they have to they have to backfill. Yeah. Um, otherwise, their you know price to earnings ratios look a bit different. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, I mean the partnering is fascinating in iron ore because so much of the stuff ultimately goes to China. So partnering with Chinese and so on, it sort of makes for an interesting debate, which we'll get into at another time. So the infrastructure is a really intriguing part of this one. Iron ore, you know, mines are. It's all about infrastructure, it's all about efficiency, right? And it kind of stacks up a bit differently to the infrastructure we see in the Pilbara because, well, there's, there's two real reasons for this. Firstly, shared infrastructure. You don't see that. We saw it when we went up to the Pilbara. You, you're going over four railway lines within 50 metres of one another. It's like all this, you know, there's no sharing of the assets. They all built it side by side and, you know, it costs a lot more. It's, you know, not the most effective way to do it. And that's not what they're doing here. They're going to share it amongst all the various parties, and then the government's going to have a stake in it. So, God, iron, iron ore competition in Australia in the Pilbara, like that would be a great deep dive for someone that uh, knows a lot about that when you talk about why there's they won't help that person and bidding on tenements. There's a, that's a, that's, that is that's is fascinating too, JD. That's capitalism, right? And the second reason why I find it fascinating, Maddie, is the river. Obviously, you don't – I mean, there are rivers up in the Pilbara, but not to this extent. And they're not actually planning to ship a lot of stuff like on a barge or anything down the river, but they do want to um, build a port in a sort of shallow water in a sort of estuary before they build a deeper water port later on. And I'm just getting flashbacks reading about <laughs> Rio Tinto and a river in Africa to Riversdale. And that Big was, disclaimer, they're not barging anything this time. Just a debacle. <laughs> that was one of the worst mining M&A deals of all time. I'm sure a lot of people... Was it $6 billion or something? No, Four. it was, yeah, a bit a bit less. But, I mean, I think and a lot of... And then got written down to fuck all, didn't it? Yeah. To nothing, pretty much. Yeah. So I think... Plus money was spent on it. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people in, in Perth made a lot of money off that. But uh, ultimately for Rio, it was a real lemon. Turned into, you know, a huge, huge write-down. Cost a lot of people their jobs because it was just a poorly executed, poorly thought through job. Mm. So the funding coming together today, you know, a US $100 million loan, that's to start getting the infrastructure being built by Rio. It doesn't mean it's all going ahead. Jacob Stalsom, the the boss at Rio, reckons it's all go. There's, you know, it's a certainty that this thing is going to be built. And I mean, the latest presentation from Rio does show quite a bit of CapEx their part is US $4 billion, and that's just Rio. And I mentioned, you know, a bunch of partners. The ultimate CapEx is going to be in the in the teens of billions of US dollars. It's just enormous. So they want to be producing by quarter one of 2026. The government there wanted to be producing by 2025. Obviously, it's their, their interest to start getting the, the royalties and the, the earnings that they'll get from their freed carried stake as soon as possible. But, you know, that's... That's pretty soon, you know, in a couple of years' time to have this thing, to have over 600 kilometres of rail built, 
to have the mine going that's supposedly going to be a mine for the last 20 years, they're going to have to get cracking. And, and, the, and the estuary port and estuary everything, well, the, the rail and the port, you imagine how much that costs, let alone the yep. potential 110 million tonne crushing facility, crushing yeah, and screening facility. Too right. It's a lot of work, a lot of bureaucratic institutions to get over the line, a lot of funding to be, you know, whipped around. So we'll see how it all plays out from here. Very interesting, JD. Love your work. Jay, Travis Riccardinio, mate, the curious hey, mate. The curious guy, you're back. Have you got your breath back? Because fuck, you were in the zone before. You're probably, you're probably half pissed too after how many beers you've had. But no, no. The, Which means I'm in the zone. You're in the zone. Is that that optimal? You know when you're throwing darts or playing golf, you have two beers and you just start hitting them better. Trav's maintained that level all day. He's .04 on the breath though. We've kept him at that. Yeah. Mate, the curious case of Bezra Gold and it's mystery US $300 million financier. Now, I've read this 19 times mm. and I'm still confused. I hope you're going to... Unconfuse me, mate. I hope so. Take too. it, take it away, Cobble. What's going on here? Bezra Gold is probably a, an ASX company that the money miners have not come across. In fact, I hadn't come across it until about two weeks ago myself. Um, but it's been floating about on the ASX for years. It's had a name change along the journey and reemerged through a relisting. Its ticker is BEZ, and um, and there's a very very fascinating story about the history of this company over the last year. And I'm keen to tell it. I want to I want to tell it in a way that's just a little bit chronological because I think that's the easiest way to unpack it. But it involves some really curious stuff going on. They're currently in trading halt today and that's why we're talking about them. But there's just been a, a, a bunch of stuff and a bunch of ASX announcements that I look at and I interpret with a big question mark is, what the fuck? What, um, <laughs> what's the project, Trav? They, I know they, it's been around their feasibility come out in like 2013 or something. Yeah, so it? it's called the Bao Goldfield in Malaysia. Now, on the 24th of November last year, Bezero was a tiny ASX company with its own checkered history. Um, you know, like I said, name changes, relisting, all that sort of stuff in the past. It had a very undemanding market capitalization, um, just a, a, a 17 million bucks market cap, right? And that asset, the Bow Goldfield in Malaysia, it, it had an effective 92.8% interest in that project. The next day, Maddie, so 25th of November, they go into trading halt, right? They announce an entitlements issue to raise 5 million bucks. It's steeply discounted. So I think it was a 33.5% discount to the 15-day VWAP. And its major shareholder, keep this company in mind, its major shareholder, Quantum Recovery Metal Inc., agrees to underwrite the entitlements offer. The offer price, again, keep this one in mind, $0.05 cents per share, undemanding price, right? So what, was it like a one for two or something? Uh, it wasn't issue. wasn't quite one for two, but um, something along those lines. And, they, yeah. and so they, yeah. they underwrit what, what, so, what wasn't taken up by exactly. the sub under it, what wasn't taken up by the shareholders. Correct. Uh, it, at the exact same time as this entitlements issue is announced, Bezra, they announced that they're also in advanced discussions with Quantum, that, that major shareholder we spoke about, for a $300 million, US $300 million gold offtake purchase facility to advance production of their Bow Gold project. That's a big number, US 300, for a $17 million market cap company, right? And do, is there anyone that else that has a gold offtake arrangement? Is that not a common thing? Yeah, it can happen. I, like, it, that, yeah, it can happen. There's a bunch of funky stuff that can happen. Um, like, you can do financial 
engineering in certain ways for certain projects in certain jurisdictions. But um, but this one's a very, very curious one to unpack. N- when they announced that they're in these advanced discussions, nothing was concrete yet, right? But they in this announcement, they do reveal that the proposed arrangement would see Bezra receive 90% of the effective spot price for each ounce delivered to quantum subject to a cap. Yep. So that was the... The kind of guidance to the market is they're, they're having this conversation about some sort of funding solution. Um, so that makes sense. Kind of. <laughs> At this stage. And then it, it kind of went quiet, right? So that was November last year and then we come to yep. March of this year and we start seeing more announcements rega- relating to quantum as well, right? Exactly right. 9th of March this year now, so we're in 2023, Bezra enter a trading hole and pending uh, – release of an announcement of executed term sheet with Quantum. So they've signed a deal, but this is 9th of March. The share price at the time, $0.04 cents per share, right? $0.04 cents per share. They um, stayed in suspension, however, for, for uh, 12 well, twelve days. It was nearly two weeks, and they finally come out on the 21st of March. Two weeks to sign a term sheet. Oof. Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I think, well, they say it was signed. So, I mean, like the basis, it's pending the release of an announcement of it being executed. So it took them 12 days to write up the announcement for it having already been executed, which is curious to me. I do kind of internally wonder if there was some back and forth um, with ASX about what needs to be included on the announcement and what are the relevant disclosure requirements, and maybe that took 12 days. I'm not entirely sure, but it did take 12 days. 21st of March, right? What was the announcement that finally got released? Well, this is this is the interesting bit. They come out of halt, and the happy days, the term sheet's executed. However, it does say at the top, non-binding. <laughs> Uh, so non-binding term sheet's been executed. It's signed, though. It's a happy days. The investors get to look at the terms of this funding commitment with Quantum. So what, what is a non-binding signed sheet? Yeah, that's just the first stage of, like, you have a non-binding and then that's, like, your first thing. But you, you still do sign, sign the non-binding. You do sign yeah, it, yeah, right yeah. But yeah. it's non-binding. You can, you know, pull you out. You can get out. Right up. But it's just the next step of advancing things. But they, they announced it happy. Cool, it took them 12 days, but it's announced. But the good thing is they do include all of the details and all the terms, so um, or at least a summary of them. So investors get a bit of an idea of what they're talking about, which is great. The market laps it up, importantly, too, because the share price hits a high of $0.10 cents the day that they're back trading, and it closed. they closed the day that the share price at $0.8.5, cents, more than twice, more than 2x what it was when it went into halt. Over the next seven weeks, the share price rallies hard, it marches all the way to $0.45. Cents. Fucking hell. Yeah, so, right. So if you you know, if you were there at $0.04 cents before they went into halt, that's an 11 bagger on that pre-halt price, assuming you, you sold at the top there. But um, back to the terms of the funding agreement, which we see in the announcement um, on that 21st of March announcement, here's the spicy stuff, Maddie and JD. The facility provides up to... US 300 million bucks to be paid over 30 months at a rate of US 10 million per month. And so as in million a month. paid from Quantum to Bezra. Yeah. Correct. And okay. we saw the famous words, <laughs> fully funded. It's really curious. Right? Cross so, of death. So here's his financial instrument. They call it, it's enabling Bezra to fully fund production at Bow. This is a really funny line. The facility is expected to remove the need for dilutive equity financing and project slash corporate debt. How good, right? They, uh, they cracked the code, fellas, Matty and JD. They, there's a financial instrument that lets you enter production without debt or equity. It's just it's magic. Yeah. There's, there's so many things that don't make sense, and maybe the, the fully funded one just 
angers me the most. Like, how would that work? You know, <laughs> how would getting money each month, you need the money up front. Mm-hmm. You need, that's why it's called, you know, upfront capital or pre-production capex, you know. You need to build the thing up front. <laughs> Unless you've got some fucking very friendly uh, suppliers that are willing to get paid over three-year period per month. They're pretty much paying <laughs> you to do it. <laughs> exactly. It, it would, <laughs> it's strange, right, because, like, the way a mine works is you need the capital up front to build the mine before you can actually produce anything. And in this instance, it's just like, you know, continuous flow. If you get money in the door and then you produce and then you sell, but that's not how mining works. We all know that. Yeah. <laughs> can you please build me a mill and I'll pay you in five years' time? It's not like you can incrementally develop a you mine over like, 30 months. It doesn't you work buy that way. part of the conveyor first, you do a month's production, then you put the other part on. <laughs> just crazy. Does. But they wouldn't be able to do any of that because they can't get the gold to get it, get <laughs> the get the monthly payment. None of it makes sense. I'll stack up. So... And the, you mentioned that study, Matty, when that was done in March 2014, so like nine years ago now, these numbers are old and inflation's happened since, but the pre-production capex then was US $92 million, not $10 million bucks. I don't, don't know how this all, how, how does construction fit into this financing facility in a way that it is technically fully funded? Don't understand. I think you'd still need some, uh, some more funding in order to actually build a mine there. Um, so there's all that, Trav, and then there's a whole other layer to this one with, yeah. you know, the MD, directors, companies and stuff. So we're going to talk about Pangea. They were a major shareholder of Bezra, an 18.8% shareholder in April of this year, right? Correct. Correct indeed. The MD of Bezra at that point in, in April um, was Miss Jocelyn Bennett, and she only joined as a, a Ned and chair of Bezra in February, so two months before um, before that. And and in on the seventeenth of April, twenty twenty three, the ASX announcements disclosed that Pangea, Pangea, a company which Joslyn is also a director of, has sold five hundred thousand dollars of Bezra shares on market. Interestingly, this these disclosures are accompanied by a clarification letter announced on the ASX stating that the sale of these shares was authorised by another director of Pangea, not Miss Bennett. And this letter says that Miss Bennett was not aware until after the sale completed. The Pangea director that was authorised for this sale um, ha- was also said to not be aware of Bezra's securities trading policy and uh, a blackout period on trading the shares. Naughty, naughty, fellas. Very sloppy. Very sloppy. 31st of July this year, so a couple of months ago. At this stage, the agreement with Quantum has been executed, no longer non-binding, Matty, and approved by shareholders as well. Hangia, the company Miss Bennett is director of, disclosed that it has sold more shares on market, another $750,000 worth this time. The following day, the 1st of August, Miss Bennett, the director of Pangea, tenders her resignation as um, as a director and, you know... Ad, of Bezra. Of Bezra. Yep. She leaves... Mr. John Seaton steps up as interim chair. Further ASX disclosures show Pangea continuing to sell down after she departs because it was a substantial shareholder. They sell another $1.1 million worth of shares in August, a further $1.4 million worth of shares in September. That so was that's about last month. 3.6 million that's up to. Selling a lot. Yep. So they, were, they had 18.5%, so yep. God, they would have been close to back to... Had the share price uh, look, gone down, shitloads it, from that 45% coming, high. Coming down, coming down. Yeah. yeah. Um, still ele- elevated, but coming down. Now we're in September, right? So 20th of September is this 
announcement on ASX and you see – So two, two weeks – this is yeah, a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago. Yep. In this announcement, there's a funny paragraph flashed up on screen, Bezra doubling down at the fact that they don't need debt, which would encumber Bezra or dilute of equity because <laughs> of this amazing finan- financial engineering deal that's happened. All gold companies should think of this one, Matty, if, mm. if they can avoid debt and equity to fund a mine. 28th of September, very recently, another Bezra non-executive director departs. This time it's Mr. Paul Ingram making way for the founder of Quantum, Dado Lim. He joins as exec chair this time with another quantum nominee joining too on the board. So the quantum quantum people that are providing the lucrative financing deal. <laughs> yep. Yeah, righto. Uh, and today Bezra are in trading halt pending an announcement concerning funding from Quantum Metal Recovery. And that's where we are today. And I want to take a moment to share with you guys a few things I came across when researching this story that are pretty pertinent to how we think about it, I reckon. So is it when when this uh, the head of Quantum joins Bezra, uh, Quantum is still a major shareholder yeah. of Bezra as well? How much do you at know this how time much about, I think they're about 28% at this point. Okay, right right yeah. Yeah. yeah, so because they, sub, they sub-underwrote the entitlements offer, they went from um, I think sub-20 to above like 20 um, in, in that process. So they've got a big stake in Bezra. And um, all right, so the few things I want to I want to kind of discuss when researching this story is um, I think we really ought to take a look at Quantum. Even better, let's let the video on Quantum's website explain themselves to the money miners. It's something to behold. We'll play a snippet. Rip it. Our journey began with a simple dream of one very determined man. A vision to change and be the leader of the gold exchange industry. And that was a very ambitious endeavor. To save cost, he took the cheapest midnight bus he could find from Penang to Kuala Lumpur to attend bank early meetings. He waited at McDonald's Gale Central with a cup of steaming hot coffee in his hands until the time for bank meetings and convinced them to be his distributors. Without proper office, he held meetings with his IT team at Mama Stalls to discuss about the development of quantum metals ecosystem. That was um, interesting. Really interesting. Inspirational. I'm pumped up. I'm inspired. <laughs> um, wow. Get me in on it. <laughs> <laughs> Staggering. In all honesty, like serious, I just don't know what to think of quantum. Uh, Tell I, us what you really think, Trav. Can you believe that footage? I don't know. Anyway, there's... Another video that, uh, you know, is on Quantum Metal Malaysia YouTube channel, which I think is worth, you know, playing a snippet of as well. I don't know what to make of this. Um, you know, the news channel, it, it, it looks like it's supposed to come from a legitimate mainstream media company, but it's it's not. It's Calkine TV. Let's, let's play it. The board of Bezra Gold on the ASX's BEZ advises the market that it is in advanced discussions with a substantial shareholder, Quantum Metals Recovery, to provide up to 300 million US dollars in financial support, commencing as soon as calendar year 2023. What the, what the hell is that? <laughs> well, Trav, like, look, I know, like, we might have viewed it differently a, a year ago, but look, the the fucking the media landscape has changed. Like the money miners are used to what we deliver, the high quality. This is a bit 
this technique and this style has just become a bit obsolete in the industry, I think. I don't know what this company is. As best I can tell, it's like pay for play, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange, right? Some people are still trying to do this style as well, but um, yeah, it just doesn't <laughs> work with the uh, the new big dogs in town. Sorry, everyone. I, I lost a few IQ points watching that one. Okay, one so of many things that don't make sense. Right. So what's what's happening now? We'll wait and see what happens with the uh, announcement to come after the trading halt. Dot dot dot. So and what was this? Sorry, I've lost track. What's this trading halt for? Uh, it's an announcement in relation to the funding agreement. Pending an announcement concerning funding from Quantum. Okay. So it's just an update on this whole funding that we're talking about. Yeah, right. Okay, so when's that? And that should be out early next, well, who knows, the last time they went into two-week trading hole. <laughs> Love your work. Oh, what a fucking good way to bloody uh, finish the week, boys. Good stuff, guys. And we've got an episode to drop tomorrow for the Money Miners as well. Yeah. Should we give a preview? Nah. Nah. It's a world first. World premiere. It's a fucking world first what, what's coming out tomorrow, Money Miners. Saturday, 2 p.m. Perth time. That would be 5 p.m. Sydney time. Love Daylight it. Savings is in. It is, it is. <laughs> any time zone conversions, hit up Money and Mind. Beauty. Right, thanks, thanks to uh, Terra Capital, Anytime Exploration Services, JP Search, K Drill and Smack. Oh, fuck, that was good, JD. Proud dad. <laughs> J, J, JD is now the marketing manager for Money of Mine. Boys, have a good weekend. Uh, money Miners, have a good weekend. Love is all. Who to root? Who to root? The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation, and needs.